All right. Well, let's. Um, all right. Well, let's let's pray. Father, we do come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here this evening together. And Lord, we're praying for those, uh, especially who uh, are not able to join us. So we're asking for healing for uh, for Leslie and for uh, Miss Carol. We pray that um, everything goes well with her tomorrow, and we ask for good results from from the uh, from the biopsies, from the test, from the testing. And we pray for that as well with Brother Freddie. Uh, they're trying to determine what is causing um, his issues. So, Lord, we, we ask uh, again that you grant good results, and yet at the same time we're asking that you enable them to, to get at the, at the bottom of it and, and be able to help him. We pray for, for a recovery and that he'll be able to come home soon. And we continue to pray for Robert and Pam and ask you to bless and strengthen them and uh, enable him to get his strength back so that he can return to a, a normal routine. And, Father, um, we just thank you. Thank you for your, your grace, your love, your care for us, your faithfulness. And, Father, we, we pray, Lord, bless our time here together tonight as we look at your word and consider these things that we'll be discussing. Lord, we pray, um, open our understanding, grow us in your grace, grow us in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. May it all be for your honor and glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, before I start here, any, any questions from this morning? I'll probably be trying to give opportunity for that again as we move along because I just hate not to. We go through, we go through a book like that, so I hate not to. There, there's so much there that I don't want to uh, skip over something. If, you know, that I don't have to. Okay. If, you know, as we move through the book of Revelation, uh, feel free, you know, to, I mean, like, jot down, quick, quick, you may think of something during the week, you know, that I don't think of, jot down um, something that, that jumps out. And by the way, I encourage you to, you know, go ahead and read, read it, read it all the way through, and that, that'll help you get to thinking about all of these things. And feel free to uh, make note of any questions that you might have that we may want to address. Um, and we'll try to do that. Because uh, there's a lot here, and uh, we want it to be as clear as possible. All right, well, let's take a few minutes here, and, and we, may, we, we may be able to stop early so we can just discuss the things, a couple things that I mentioned this morning we need to talk about. Um, and they're ministry-related, so that would be good anyway. Um, but for now, let's let's go. Um, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I did, I did not make copies of this because, uh, and I'd be glad. This, this, what we're going to talk about is deacons the, the, again tonight, and let's probably finish that up. And I'd be glad to, if you want a copy of this, I'd be glad to, you know, run you a copy. The reason I didn't is because it's it's lengthy, and I'm not going to use much of it tonight. But um, but if you want one, um, this is coming. This again is coming from John MacArthur's uh, ministry. The Grace to You Ministry and uh, uh, his church, his Grace Community Church out in California. So um, it's just a, similar to the sheet I gave you before on elders, except this one is is deacons, and it's a little more lengthy. So, um, so that's what we're going to be <coughs> be discussing. Let me let me go ahead and give you one passage to start with, just kind of 
um, get things rolling here. Philippians 1. And here's where um, you, you do see um, Deacon's address. In fact, I'm going to differ uh, from, uh, not that it's a big issue, but I'm going to differ from John MacArthur here. Uh, and he, he does not think this is referring to deacons in an official capacity. I've, I've always taken it to be so, and I don't see any real reason um, why it wouldn't be. But anyway, let me read it first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, and, then I'll, and I'll read you some of his explanations here uh, for the office of deacon servant. Again, remember that word means servant. So Philippians 1, 1, of course this is Paul writing to the believers at Philippi, and he addresses them this way. It's a little bit different than we see in the other epistles. And he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Or again, um, you could translate that servants. Uh, that's what, what the idea is. And deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, well, the first part doesn't differ much. I mean, this is characteristic of Paul. He's greeting Paul. He identifies himself and Timothy. Paul and Timothy, servants. Now, that term there is, is, uh, is slaves or bond slaves. Some translations will use the term bond slaves. It's the term doulos. One of, one of my favorite Brother Carl sermons was uh, he preached on that. I, I don't remember. I'd have to go back. I think I still have it, but I'd have to go back and listen to it because I don't even remember the text he was coming from. But, um, but he was focusing in on that word, doulos. And uh, that's the word there. Paul and Timothy, douloi. Of course, this is the plural form, servants of Christ Jesus. Slave, slave. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus is what Paul's saying. That's how he's referring to himself and Timothy. To, now here's the, 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 the address, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. All right, so um, he gives, let's just say categories. He gives three, three categories here. To all the saints, who would that be? Say it again. Believers, Believers. yeah, good, good. I was, I was hoping nobody was going to say, you know, like, Perfected people, you know, or something like that. <laughs> like, you know, like the Roman Catholic Church. You, you gotta, you, you gotta die and 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 have a couple of verified miracles to become a saint. I mean, that's what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. No, that's not a saint. You're right. It's all believers. Um, all believers. That's when you see that term in the Scripture. It's not talking about some super Christian. It's just talking about Christians. Christians. If you're in Christ, you are. The word means a holy one. So if you're in Christ, you're a holy one. And here's, here's why there's such a difference in... Um, I didn't mean to get off on this rabbit trail, but, but it is important. Here's why there's such a difference in our view of salvation. and uh, I mean, here's where, where it really shows up. In our view of salvation and, and Roman Catholicism, because to be a holy one, well, they would say you've got to be made... Holy. I mean, you've got to become holy, and there's got to be some proof of that. So, again, for them, for, to, to be a saint, historically, you know, you have to have a couple of verified miracles on your credit, and, and you have to be dead, you know, for, I think it's at least five years. Isn't that right, Ron? I think 
I think that's correct. They're, they're trying to get around that with, with uh, Pope John Paul, you know, because he was uh, so well-liked. And I'm, I don't know if they've, you know, he hasn't been dead long enough, but, but um, uh, I think, uh, at this, I forget now what year he died, but uh, I know when they first started talking about it, he hadn't been dead long enough. But anyway, the idea is you've got to actually be, become holy and be proven to be, you know, holy. Well, we understand in our reading of the Scripture, which obviously I think is the correct one, we understand that we're called holy ones, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. So isn't that amazing? God calls us saints, holy ones, when you know we're looking at ourselves going, but I'm a sinner. Well, yes, and that's why um, Luther had this famous... Latin statement, which I can't say in Latin, but, but, the, but the idea of it was this. Um, simultaneously, saints and sinners. And, and that sounds like a contradiction, but it is a, it is a great biblical truth. It's not a contradiction because we're not uh, saints in the same way that we're a sinner. Um, we're, we are. We're sinners by nature. But we're saints based upon a righteousness that is not our own. Is the righteousness of Christ. So, yeah, when you see that term saints in the New Testament, it's, it's a way of referring to believers. Anybody who's saved, anybody who's been born again is a saint. So, um, so in fact, sometimes, you know, you, th- that's all inclusive. To the, you, He could have just stopped right there. To the saints at Philippi, because that's every believer at uh, Philippi. But he gives a couple other categories here. Um, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons. Now, what about the term overseers? We we talked about that a lot the past several weeks. I mean, before at least prior to last week. Last week, uh, last time we talked about deacons. But prior to that, we talked about what? Elders, right? And this is a synonym for elders. I mean, it's, in other words, it's it's talking about people in the same. Um, uh, it's another word describing the same function or position. So, uh, so I think you could, um, um, if you if if it said elders, it would be referring to the same people here. But but here Paul uses the term overseers, the Greek word uh, from which we get our word episcopal or episcopalian. Uh, it's the idea of just to oversee. It's, and, and we talked about that. It's a great. The, the word itself gives you some insight into job description. So we got the saints, all the believers in Philippi, um, and or, or the way he says it, with the saints, with the overseers, which I would say is the same as the as the uh, elders or pastors. You're talking about the same group, the saints with the overseers and and servants, deacons. So remember when we talked about um, in in. First Timothy three, when we were looking at the qualifications for deacon for servant, that that seems to be the, the group that Paul is talking about here. So those who are um, called and recognized, called of God and recognized by the church as overseers, along with those who are appointed deacons, recognized by the church as servants. Servants. And I keep. I, I do. I prefer the word servant. But I, I, I keep using the word deacon as well, just because everybody's familiar with that and we recognize that. But it, it means servant. Servant. All right. So, so you got those three categories: saints, overseers, and servants. 
at Philippi. So when Paul addresses, uh, makes his, his address to Philippi, he includes all of those. Now, are those different classes of Christians? No. In other words, as I said a moment ago, um, even even the overseers and and deacons or servants come under the could could come under the category of saints. I mean, everybody we're all saints in Jesus Christ. So these are descriptions of different functions, but it's not like you have. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not. Again, sometimes I'll use it just for understanding because everybody's so familiar with it. But I'm really not. I'm not real. Uh, fond of um, this, this ministry laity distinction. Uh, I mean, I understand why people use it, I think, and, um, but a lot of times it gets used in a bad way. And that's why I'm not real fond of it, because it's not um, necessarily scriptural. Um, we're, we're all saints in Christ, but we do have different functions. And, and one of those functions we, we've talked about, again, for weeks and weeks, which is that of elder, or pastor, or overseer. Another one is servants. And, and these are positions, functions that are, are offices, if you want to use that term, that are, um, that are recognized by the church and function in behalf of the church. So uh, when I say in a, sometimes you'll, you'll hear something like um, official capacity. You'll hear that kind of phrasing, official, he's a, he's a, a, a servant in, a, in an official capacity. Well, that's what we mean. You know, in other words, the church has duly recognized this person, and this person functions as a servant in behalf of the church. He serves the church, and he serves in behalf of the church. All right, he or she. Um, all right. So let me let me just give you some description here from MacArthur's um, thing that I think is helpful, uh, and this is called. And he actually has a, uh, I probably would have ordered some if I had thought about it ahead of time, but I didn't, didn't do it. But uh, he actually has some little booklets that they put out. But this, this is called, uh, and it, the title's similar, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But this, this article is called Answering the, key, Answering the Key Questions About Deacons. And it's free on his website, and, and he has um, a lot of related stuff with it as well. All right, so... Here's a couple things that I thought were helpful here um, that we could take time to look at. Not that it's not all helpful, but... The title deacon seems to have as many different connotations as there are churches to bestow it. In some churches, the deacons are the official board or the legally recognized managing body. Other churches appoint almost everyone who is a regular attender as a deacon. And you know, we've probably all been exposed to some of that. I mean, it seems like everybody's a deacon. Still, other churches bestow the title as a badge of honor, like reverend, but for layman. The ministry of a deacon is so different from church to church that when a person says he's a deacon, you usually have to ask several questions to find out what, if anything, he actually does. Scripture itself is vague, and, and this is his, his point in saying these things, by the way. Scripture itself is vague about the, about the specifics of what deacons are to do. We read, and, and again, here's going to be part of his main point. We look at and what I'm about to say here, or about to read here um, about the qualifications. That's what we looked at last time. 
So MacArthur goes on to say, we read a lot about what qualifies a man to be a deacon, but little about how deacons are to minister, serve in the local church. That fact in itself teaches us much about God's view of church leadership. Here's his point. What a man is, is the issue more than what he does. So, so what he's saying is where the, the emphasis that we find in Scripture is, is laid heavily on character and not so much on the, um, the, um, all, all the little ways in which a deacon is to serve, the specifics about how they actually serve. It, 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 the emphasis is on character, on character. All right, so MacArthur says, and, and I think just uh, being pretty honest here, Scripture is vague about specifics of what deacons are to do. So I would say it this way. Churches have, it seems to me, based on that, because I agree with him, I think that is the case, it seems to me that, that churches have quite a bit of leeway in, in defining what a deacon is. At the same time, I, th- I think we got to be honest. Uh, churches have to be honest when we, uh, when we um, look at these things and say, okay, what does it mean to serve? Do we have any positions of service that we can consider serving the church and that we can consider um, not, only, not only actually serving the church but serving in the name of the church? And if we do, if we have positions where people actually serve the church and serve in the name of the church, then that is probably what the Scripture refers to as a deacon, because a deacon is a servant. So, so then we are bound by scriptural guidelines, that the people who fulfill those functions of serving in the church and serving in the name of the church must meet the qualifications laid out in 1 Timothy 3, the character qualifications laid out in 1 Timothy 3. So that's one of the things I want to stress um, in thinking about application of these things, um, that while Scripture leaves a lot of room to, um, seems to me, Scripture leaves a lot of room to, 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 in terms of job description, at the same time, it doesn't seem to allow uh, that we just ignore the qualifications. Because you meet the qualifications, and then you've got room to define how you want uh, these men or women to serve, but meet the qualifications. The stress is laid on the qualifications. So if you're going to have servants, they must meet the qualifications laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right. Um, Now, that's part of what I was going to skip here because he goes into those, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read them, but we did discuss them last week, last time. So unless there are some comments or questions, um, I won't spend much time on them. But 1 Timothy 3 is, is where the qualifications are found. So let's look at that. And it starts with verse 8. I need to go here anyway because there's another section here that... Um, another section of his article that, that is going to be coming, dealing with part of this. So, so um, 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons likewise, and notice the term likewise, and the reason I think Paul uses that there is because you're going to see the qualifications for servant, deacon, don't differ um, much from qualifications for elder or pastor. 
there is a distinction. There is there are some distinctions, but but in terms of character, they they don't they don't differ much. Very little. Um, in fact, I think you could say they really don't differ in terms of character. There there is a, a, a function difference. But so verse eight, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons. So in, you know, I was just saying a moment ago, you've you got to um, meet the qualifications. Well, here Paul even says they've got to be tested first. So they've got to, they've got to be proven first before they can um, serve in an official capacity. If they prove them, um, then let them serve if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Another reason, by the way, that it should not be taken lightly. These things should never be taken lightly. Those who serve well as deacons... Gain a good standing for themselves, Paul says, and also great confidence in the faith and that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so um, another little section here I want to read. Um, he raises the question, does the New Testament speak about the office of a deacon? Because of the, because of the variety of meanings attached to the term deacon or servant and the, and the words that are related to it, talking about the... New Testament Greek words. With one or two possible exceptions, it is difficult to pin down any clear reference in the New Testament to an office of deacon in the early ecclesiastical government. Most occurrences of diakonos, that's the Greek term, most occurrences and the related words use their general meanings and clearly have nothing to do with church office. In other words, he's saying most of the time that we run across those words in the New Testament, um, it, it's, it just means a servant in a, in a general sense. Like, um, for example, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served but to serve. He's using that in a general sense. He's not talking about um, being an, uh, an, an official in a local church. Um, it, it's used of... Uh, Civil officials in the book of Acts, where it has absolutely nothing to do with the church at all. It's, it's used, I think, in reference to, um, uh, and I'd have to look this up, but I, I, but I think it's also used in reference to um, servants in the synagogue. So that's certainly not a, although it's, it's a similar setting, but it's not a New Testament church setting. So um, he says, most occurrences, uh, the, the words use their general meanings and clearly have nothing to do with church office. Other passages could be taken one way or the other. But usually, the clearest, most natural interpretation calls for the general meanings, not a reference to a special title belonging to a select group in the church. Okay. Um, the exception, of course, is what we just looked at here, uh, at least one exception, in, in 1 Timothy 3, where it is clearly talking about a function in the local church. And, and therefore, he lays down um, criteria for, for, for serving in that capacity. Qualifications that have to be met. Character qualifications that have to be met.
Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good question. I'm sitting here. I'm skipping over all of that because I'm thinking I may not go there because for time's sake. But but uh, no, that's perfectly. <laughs> I like that because that's like okay, let's go there, and that's good. That's real good. Um, all right. Are the are those the, the seven men chosen in Acts chapter six? Are those deacons? That's what you're asking, right? Is that in other words, is that the same thing that Paul's talking about in First Timothy three, for example? Is that what you're asking? Okay, let's go. Let's go to uh, Acts, and we'll we'll try to answer that and best we can. Very good. That's a good question. All right. Um, a situation arises in. Uh, the Jerusalem church. Boy, there is so much <clears throat> to learn here. You know, in one sense, it's, it's, it's like what we have is really limited. I mean, because, you know, when you think about, uh, we, we, we'll say things like, we want our church to be like the, uh, the first century church, you know. But, you know, that's what we've got on the first century church. I mean, it's not a, it's not a whole lot of, of, of written material. Um, and then, and then we, we have a, a large amount of stuff comes after that, you know, extra biblical stuff, but some of it's good and some of it's not good. You know, you've got to weed through that stuff and it's good to, to do, but I mean, but, but you can't take it as authoritative. This is, this is what's authoritative, all right? So, but nevertheless, there is so much here uh, to learn from. It's just, it's just good. It's not like we've exhausted even what we have. All right, so a situation arises in the Jerusalem church and, and here's, here's how they deal with it. In uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, and remember, let me just say this real quick. Remember, the church is brand new here. So, it's not like they have a structure in place, right? And like I say, by the time you get to, uh, really out of the first century, by the time you get to into the second century, you've got an elaborate structure in place that, frankly... Um, I think a lot of it is wrong. So what, what, what we're trying to do is figure out, you know, what, the, what does the Bible say we ought to be doing? Uh, but uh, it, 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 in terms of structure, it evolved into something pretty elaborate in a very short period of time. But, uh, but I do think we got, you know, we got enough in the New Testament, to, I think, to, to tell us what we need to do. I mean, I think that's what the Lord said, you know. He's given us all things that, that, uh, that pertain to life and godliness. This would probably fall in that category. We, we can operate as a church, that is, based on what we have in the New Testament. All right. So, um, in, the, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution and that is probably um, food or money or both you know, the churches um, you know because they would bring uh, the believers would bring the money and lay it at the apostles feet and the apostles would distribute to such as had need um, so that there was equality in the church um, well here some widows are being neglected and like I say it's probably either has to do with you know sp- spreading out the money or or, or maybe it's actually food. They're serving meals, and uh, these Hellenist widows are being neglected. Wh- whichever is the case, or like I say, it may be both. But whichever is the case, or whatever is the case, um, these Hellenist um, widows are being neglected. Now, Hellenists; th- these are 
um, Greek speaking and our um, Greek speaking Jews and our um, Jews who have ethnic Jews who have adopted Greek culture. Right, so they're so they're Jews, or they were Jews, not Christians now, but I mean, they were they were ethnic Jews, and and maybe even ascribing to some degree to the Jewish religion, but they were they were living in the Greco-Roman world, and they were they were living like the Greeks and speaking Greek. They were called Hellenists, right? So uh, so it makes you wonder. I mean, we're not necessarily. We're not giving much detail here, but it makes you wonder if uh, there wasn't some prejudice going on here, and that, that the uh, being overlooked in the daily distribution maybe wasn't totally accidental. <laughs> you know, let's let's take care of these Hebrew uh, widows first, and then if there's anything left over, we'll take care of the Greeks, the Hellenists. All right, all right. Anyway, the situation is they're being neglected. So, verse two. And the twelve summoned, that is the twelve apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples, the whole church, and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, that's, this is the apostles, um, which uh, in, in this case, they are, they are the elders in Jerusalem. And, uh, and they say to the church, to the whole congregation, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, that's not because they, they thought themselves above it. It's just because their function was to preach and pray, to feed the flock, in a, in a, you know, not by, by giving food, but by giving um, the Word of God. And so they say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you, that is, from among the congregation, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves, that is the apostles, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Tim. Notice something, by the way. Every one of these names is Greek, not Hebrew. So they, they chose Greeks to um, serve the Greek, uh, the Hellenist um, widows who were being neglected. All right, so um, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. Now, so, so the congregation did what the... The apostle said, you, you pick out from among you seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will appoint them. As you pick them out, we'll appoint them to this service. And so they did that. They picked them out using the criteria they've been given, the qualifications, and, and the apostles laid hands on them, prayed for them, and they're appointed to the service. And, and, and the next verse, by the way, uh, uh, I think is significant. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. I mean, in Jerusalem, the, the church is working in harmony and functioning, and and uh, it's growing. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. All right. So Sheila was asking, are these essentially? I think she's asking, are these the first deacons? And a lot of people say that these are the first deacons. This is where the office came into being. Um, I, well, I'm not sure that 
you know, technically that's the case, but um, it seems to me to, to at least be uh, like, a, like a precursor. Um, they, they did this specifically to, to address a specific need, um, and it was a, um, what's the term I'm looking for? And, 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 you know, it's, it's not, in other words, they weren't looking for somebody to preach the Word and, and a prayer ministry, but, but they're looking for somebody to, to meet the, the physical needs of these particular people who are being neglected. And so they appoint these servants to do that. So I don't know if technically if these should be considered the first deacons, but it is certainly, there, there's certainly a similarity there uh, in that they're, they're meeting a, 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 a physical need rather than, um, rather than service in, the, in terms of preaching the Word, all right? So it's not a, it's not a, you know, not like they're serving as elders. They're they're serving as servants. Now, I, w- I want to point this out because the, the the verb form of the term uh, the term deacon that's not used here. The noun form is not used here. So they're they're not called deacons. Okay, now here here are the deacons. Here are the official servants of the Jerusalem church. But the verb form of that word is used. So in other words, they're not they're not just a kind of make the point, they're not called deacons, but they deek. We're told they deek. They're being, being called and appointed to deek. All right? So, you know, in some sense, they're deacons. They're servants. They're serving the church in Jerusalem, or at least the Hellenist widows in the church in Jerusalem. All right. Um, back in verse 2, real quick. It is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God and serve table. There's the verb form. So he even uses it in terms of word ministry. We serve the word rather than serve tables, which is, which is what the term deacon means. It's the idea of like a table waiter, uh, literally. I mean, it gets used for service in general, but it's, it's, it's most, um, my understanding is, it's most narrow um, uh, literal meaning is, is table servant, like a waiter. So, so Peter uses that, kind of like the play on words here. It is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. So remember that. The word serve is the verb form uh, for, de- for deacon, to deek. Therefore, brothers, verse 3, pick out from among you seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry. There, that's the verb again. Same verb again. The service of the Word. So, so you use it like a play on words. It's not right that we should serve tables. We need to, to be devoted to serving the Word. And think of serving like a, like a waiter is handing you food. The apostles were saying it's not right that we should be out there serving food, serving trays of food. We need to be devoted to serving the Word. All right? And what they said pleased the whole congreg- the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen. Uh, let's see. I was thinking to use it one more time. Okay, maybe not. And then he goes through the list of those who who uh, who, who were chosen. So they were serving, um, and and so there's at least that similarity there. And they were um, to meet um, qualifications. They the congregation was instructed. Uh, to pick out to pick out seven men full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom 
who will appoint to this duty, and that's what they did, and they brought him back to the apostles, and the apostles um, prayed and laid their hands on them. What we would think of is uh, like an ordination service. You know, they were they were uh, ordained as deacons, or I mean, you know, you, you, it may not have been quite that official, but that's that's generally that's what people tend to uh, take from that. You know, laying on of hands and appointing, ordaining, appointing. So so the apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. And they became the servants of the Hellenist widows of the church at Jerusalem. Now, maybe that may have been a temporary thing for them. I don't know. Like I say, I'm not saying that technically that's these are the first deacons. But it does help us with a picture. It helps us in our understanding of what the deacons do. And you've got qualifications here. And you've got qualifications in 1 Timothy 3. They're recognized by the church here. That's the idea in 1 Timothy 3. They're uh, uh, recognized and duly appointed here and there. So um, in that sense, it's, it's serving in an official capacity. church knows who they are. They know what their job is. Right? They're serving the church, or at least in this, in this instance, at least a, a, a particular group in the church. But they're serving the church, and they're serving in the name of the church. So here, they're serving... A particular group in the church, the congregation, the Hellenist widows, but they're but they're doing that under the auspices of the whole congregation and the elders, the apostles. So so that's what I mean by an official capacity. They are duly um, recognized, appointed to this task. So yeah, thanks. I mean that's helpful. I think because I think it helps shed shed some light on. But but whether or not you know. Technically speaking, these should be considered the first deacons. You know, I don't know, but 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 they're servants, and so I think that's that's helpful. All right, any any other thoughts or questions before we stop? Yeah, well, they're not limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephen was a preacher. Philip was an evangelist. Um, at, le- at least, you know, uh, later, Philip was an evangelist. So, yeah, if, uh, it's, it's not that a deacon cannot teach or preach. They're just not required to teach or preach. So, you know, the church doesn't have to evaluate them in terms of, of uh, their, their preaching or teaching ability. It, it, it just, you know, that's not part of the qualifications. But um, they can certainly, yeah, could certainly be someone that does both. And, and Stephen certainly did, and, and Philip as well. Probably all of them. Okay. Well, I didn't make it to the deaconesses part, but um, maybe another time. We did talk about that a little bit last time. Anybody have anything else? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The best way I know to answer that is this. Um, no, for starters, no, because the, um, when we do that, we're ignoring the necessity for meeting the, the, the character qualities we were just talking about, so which which 
That's what I was saying a moment ago. I think we have liberty, since, since the Scripture doesn't lay out a job description like they've got to do this, 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 and this, we've got some liberty there, but we don't have liberty to ignore what the Scripture demands. So when the Scripture says that a deacon must X, Y, Z, we've got to pay attention to that if, if we're really going to act in obedience to the Lord and be a faithful church. We, we've got to pay attention to that. Um, so... Um, so I was, my answer to that would be no. No, that's not, that's, that's kind of like, um, that's kind of like saying, well, you know, and a lot of churches do this. I'm, I'm, this is not totally hypothetical. That's kind of like saying, well, we understand that the Bible requires the pastor to be a man, but we couldn't find a man, and so we just hired a woman. Well, and, and a lot of churches do that. They say that kind of thing, you know. And, well, I'd say that's not acceptable because the Scripture forbids that. It's not a question of like like getting by the best you can or whatever. Uh, it's not even a question of. I mean, she may be ten times a better teacher than than um, you know uh, any of the men you've run across. Not even a question of that. Um, it's, it's a question of obedience. You know, do, doing what God commands. And so, so yeah, we we, we can't ignore the criteria that God lays out. He says, you know, got to have this, and we've got to have that. And, and then in those areas like we were talking about earlier where it's vague, I think there is a lot of liberty. But, uh, but anyway, short answer is no. No, I don't, I don't think that's, that's right. And, and another thing that's really, really common in our day is people will have um, recognized and appointed deacons, but they essentially serve as the elders and again, uh, a lot of times the character um, qualifications get ignored and the deacons are, are essentially operate like an executive board of some business, you know. And, um, you know, it's just not... That, that's very common. Um, and it, it, it's just, again, I think it's just ignoring um, clear instruction that we have in, in the Bible. And we, and we can't do that. If, if, if we're going to say Jesus is Lord, then he's, he's got to call the shots, and, and we've got to do it his way. That said, I mean, there, there's a lot of leeway on, on you know, different churches um, who don't ignore character qualities and that kind of thing. You know, they, they do what they're supposed to do. It, it, it's still, the, the way that they serve still may look different in different churches. There's, there's a lot of a leeway there, it seems to me, because we don't have a job description uh, and same way with elders, you'll see you'll see that play that role played out different in different churches. Anything else? Mm-hmm. I, not only possible, probable. What 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 will happen a lot of times is the very bare necessities of of um, operating a corporation, those things a lot of times will get done. But in terms of biblical, spiritual ministry, remember, they didn't have buildings and grounds um, in, in the first century so much. And that, that came a couple hundred years later. Um, so, so they're not even, that's not even in view here. You know, they're, they're talking about people, 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 serving people. The elders serve people. The deacons serve people. 
And the, and the whole concept is help each other grow spiritually. So it's all spiritual uh, ministry pretty much. Uh, um, they were serving tables like we just said, but even that, you know, you're trying to uh, careful, care for people's bodies and health as a, as a part of caring for their soul, right? So, so I, would, I think what happens a lot of times is stuff that, that has to be done in terms of just keeping the, the um, organization going, a lot of times that will get done. But the real spiritual ministry, the edification, the encouragement, the exhorting one another, the caring for one another, the loving one another, overseeing, that won't. That won't. That'll go by the wayside. And what will happen, just like this, this book some of us read a while back in, in our men's group, the, the Trellis and the Vine, you know, the trellis representing the organization, the vine representing the actual church, what will happen is we get, we'll, we'll get all caught up in sustaining the trellis while the vine dies. Or maybe it doesn't even exist. And, and, and you know, we've got a beautiful trellis. No organism growing on it, you know. So, that, yeah, I, I think that's not only possible, that's probable. That's what will happen. When, when, when people are, here, here's, here's one, one reason. I'm just, this is just kind of off the top of my head because I'm not, but this, this is just one reason. When, when we do what the Scripture says here, when you're, when you're recognizing and appointing somebody to, uh, to, to in, a, in sort of an official capacity, I guess we'll use that, official, official uh, as an as elder or as a deacon, the whole, part of the whole thing is going to be accountability. All right? So, because, again, there, that's why I was making the point of saying, for the deacons, for example, you're not only serving the church, but you're s- serving in the name of the church while you're serving the church. So you're, in a, so you're in a position where you're held accountable. And so if you don't have that kind of, of uh, structure, um, then you're not going to have that kind of accountability. And so, no, you know, it's not, things that really matter are, not, are probably not going to get done. Because that's human nature. Because we're sinners. You know, it's just human nature. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's uh, let's pray, and uh, we'll, we'll just we'll just pray and, and and consider that the dismissal and and the entering into the special business meeting. Father, we um, we love you, and we do thank you for your word that you love us uh, so much that you would not just leave us in the dark, but you you give us instruction, clear instruction, and make known to us your your will and your ways and how you would have us to do things. And yet, Lord, we're, we're, uh, we're dull. Lord, we, we need um, you leading us along all of the way. We need you uh, opening up our minds, enlightening us, and, and enabling us to make proper application of what we have in your word. So we pray, Lord, do that. And, Lord, help us to be rightly motivated in all that we do so that we would truly seek to honor you and bring glory and honor to your name and, uh, in the process, advance your kingdom as you would have us to. Lord, we pray for uh, the issues that we're about to discuss. And, and these are examples uh, of what we were just talking about. Um, we, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. So, Lord, we, we thank you for using us. Thank you for blessing us. And we pray, Lord, grant the wisdom that we need, and may we honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.